Aloha, you are listening to Men of Abundance, episode number 69 with Kay Wilkins. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What's up, what's up, men of abundance? I am so excited to be back here, and I am glad you're here as well. By the way, why are you here? Seriously, I really want to know why you're here. I would love to know what, if anything, that you're getting out of listening to men of abundance and listening to my rambles and our amazing guests that we have on. What is going on in your life that made you look for this podcast and made you look for a group of men who are living a life of abundance? And I don't mean that just in a negative way. Many of you, like myself, live an amazing life. You're doing very well for yourself, uh, but you realize, like me, we can do more. We can be more. And we're striving to do that. That's what I'm doing. So that's why I've put together the Men of Abundance community so that we can have these conversations. I'm going to talk more about the Men of Abundance community in just a minute. But just know this, there is a community out there for you. And this community is not just for the guys who are down and out and not living the life that they want to live. It's also for those of you who are living the life you want to live, living a wonderful life, but know you can do more and be more. And we will certainly talk more about that here in just a minute. But first, I want to introduce you to our featured guest today. Man, I have told you many times, I've mentioned it several times on the show in conversation and otherwise, that we have a lot to learn from women. And to prove that point, I want to mention a movie that my wife and I just saw, which is called Hidden Figures. If you haven't heard about this movie, it is in theaters right now, and it is truly an amazing story that was not in my history books and certainly should have, because these women are, without a doubt, a very integral part of our history, especially our space program with NASA. Without these women... John Glenn would have never been able to return back to Earth safely. In fact, even after that initial mission where John Glenn orbited around the Earth and was the first American to do so, he continuously called on Katherine Jackson, one of the computers, they referred to them as computers back then, but she was a mathematician. She's the one that made the calculations that got him back to Earth. And the other women, Dorothy Vaughn, Mary Jackson, Christian Darden, All of these women, these are just four of the 30-some-odd women that were basically kept backstage, if you will, hidden, hidden from the public because of the color of their skin and because of the fact that they were women, because even white women weren't treated properly at NASA and in corporate America at all in those times, in fact. And it's my belief, and I know this to be true to the bottom of my heart, that we have missed out, we as humans have missed out on so much because for so many years we have completely discounted the contributions of our women. And believe it or not, it's still happening today, right here in the United States and definitely around the world. I think I've made my point, but if I haven't, make sure you go watch the movie and continue to listen to Men of Abundance and get involved in our community because... You're going to be hearing a lot more from women here on Men of Abundance. And after this conversation with our featured guest today, you're going to see exactly why. Our featured guest today is the Director of External Relations for the Southeast and Caribbean Division of the American Red Cross. She has 35 years of experience with the organization, serving in roles ranging from Director of Human Resources for Southeast Louisiana Chapter to Director of Emergency Services to becoming Chief Executive Officer in 1999 for Louisiana Red Cross. In 2005, she and her chapter faced their greatest challenge, Hurricane Katrina. During the response and recovery phases, she worked tirelessly to meet the needs of her community. But this was at a time when others took only lessons about organizational response for Katrina. Our future guest declared that her chapter would become a leader in community preparedness and resilience building. Her team went on to develop programs such as the Pillowcase Project and the Senior Preparedness Packs, which originated under Kay's direction and now have become nationwide models. In fact, Disney has adopted the Pillowcase Project and is now being taught to every state and territory in our country. 
Today, Kay and her team continue working tirelessly to help Louisiana and other states recover from natural disasters, taking lessons learned from the experiences in hurricanes like Katrina to develop plans for upcoming hurricane seasons. Men, it is truly my honor to introduce you to Kay Wilkins. Kay, welcome to Men of Abundance. I'm so glad to get you on the line. Well, thank you so much. It is great to get to um, spend some time with you today. Yeah, I don't know how often you do this kind of stuff and get on podcasts and venues like this, but a mutual friend of ours, Dave Sanderson, is just an amazing individual. And after our conversation, after we talked the second time, and the second time was when we, we had a conversation for the show for Men of Abundance, afterwards he we got to talking and he said, you know, I'm coming to Hawaii And I'm going to be meeting with one of the directors down there for the Red Cross, the American Red Cross. He said, but I I have a question for you. He said, would would, would it benefit you or do you think that you'd like to have a conversation with Kay Wilkins, who is the uh, CEO of the southern region of the American Red Cross? And I was like, are you kidding me right now? How amazing would that be? And now here you are. Here I am. So, um, well, Dave is, is very kind, and I will tell you that uh, uh, anyone you meet in the Red Cross, if, if you have the opportunity to spend some time with them, uh, especially those who have been to the Red Cross uh, through disasters, can give you an, um, an inside peek into um, what we do and, and why uh, uh, many of us have uh, come to the Red Cross and stayed and never left, which is, that's my story. Dave speaks very, very highly of the Red Cross. He says it's uh, he's been personally touched by the services of the Red Cross three times in his life. And of course, for those of you who don't know who Dave Sanderson is, in case you have not listened to that episode yet, um, Dave was the last passenger to get off of the plane that landed in the Hudson. And he is an amazing individual besides that event. Uh, He's got so much going on in his life even before that event. But since then, obviously, he's, you know, um, had the opportunity to talk about that and share that story with many people. He's written uh, books about it and stuff. So I just wanted to make sure you knew who who we were talking about and Dave Sanderson. Well, I tell you, it's... uh, um He's uh, a delight to uh, speak with, and everyone who has a conversation with Dave walks walks away changed because he's just got an, an energy about him that is very positive, and uh, uh, you can tell he's, he's someone that you just would like to spend time with. He is, and like I was telling you before the show, when he called me out of the blue, I didn't even have his number on my phone, and he calls me and he says, hey, Wally, this is Dave Sanderson. I was like... Who exactly? I had just recently been introduced to him and contacted him. And then when he contacted you, I was very impressed that uh, he made the connection between you and I. And within, you know, it was less than a day later, you contact me and say, hey, let's set this up. And that was less than a week ago. And and so yeah. here you are. So, okay, you know, before we get too much into the show, I like to start the show out basically the same way I pretty much start out every single morning, which is with an attitude of gratitude. Uh, what do you have to be grateful for today? Well, you know, Wally, I just um, this week packed away uh, the holiday, uh, uh, all the holiday little decorations and such. And and as I was putting away some of the um, ornaments that my kids made as as they were growing up, I I really today am very grateful for the time uh, we had to spend together when they were growing up. Uh, we now have we have three grown children. I've got uh, we have a grandchild. I'm watching that grandchild every year see the world of Christmas lights through um, her eyes, and so I'm very grateful for family. Um, I think it's um, um, we often think that family's going to be with us for a long time, so we put them at the end of the priority list, and so work comes before family. Uh, other things will get come before family, but. Uh, the one thing I know is that our time with family is precious, and so I'm very grateful to have been able to have spent at least this last week totally devoted to our family as we um, celebrated our holiday traditions, but also celebrated each other. And then as I started work today, um, I, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to work for the American Red Cross. Um, I'll begin my 36th year with the Red Cross um, this year, and I can't think of any other organization uh, that would hold my heart and challenge me as much as the Red Cross has, but also give me the opportunity to be part of something greater. 
and the people uh, I am I'm able to work with, both our staff and our volunteers and uh, our uh, donors, um, are just tremendous. They're, they're the ones who give me the energy every day to get up and, and do what I do um, because they're responding to people who've had disasters that have upended their lives and uh, without even a thought to themselves. So very grateful for both family and uh, the organizations that I work with. Yeah, I can only imagine that is just extremely rewarding, but 36 years. I can't, who does? <laughs> who works for one organization for 36 years anymore? Now, I will say I worked for the U.S. Armed Forces, for the Army for 25 years, but, it, you know, it was kind of different. Even though I worked for the same organization, I moved every three to four years. So it's almost yeah. like I worked for somebody else every three to four <laughs> years, but how do you do that? Three, 36 years. Well, I, I will tell you first, thank you for your service, because one of the um, services that the Red Cross provides is, uh, you know, we're the uh, communications link between members of the armed forces and their families um, at home. And so I, I appreciate and thank you for your service. Um, how do I do it? You know, I really, 36 years ago, started out um, just going to volunteer with the Red Cross for about six months. And... In those six months of, of volunteering, I saw uh, an opportunity to um, make a difference in the world. And so when I was offered a position there, I, I took the position and still had thoughts of maybe being a stay-at-home mom. Um, but, uh, you know, Red Cross just got literally into my blood. And um, every day is a different day within the Red Cross. Um, disasters occur, and I've been... Uh, able to uh, talk to people at some of the worst times in their lives, but also offer them a shoulder to lean on or a hug or even a hot cup of coffee if it's a fireman. And um, I've seen the, the thankfulness in, in their eyes and, and the hope that being able to do something like this uh, brings to them. And uh, for me, it's, it's not, it's not a, a vocation, it's, it's more of a mission. You know, and as you were saying that, it, it reminded me, and I can't believe I even didn't even think about this before we got started here, but I have a lot of interaction with the Red Cross throughout my career because we always end up getting that dreaded Red Cross message. And oh. what that is, is in case for those of you who don't know, is when we're on uh, staff duty, we call it, or on CQ, uh, charge of quarters or something like that, and I was a first sergeant for a while as well, um, when a service member's family member, immediate family member, is critically ill or has passed away, then the family knows to contact the Red Cross and have a Red Cross message sent directly to the soldier's organization. And that authorizes us, and only that authorizes us, to let the soldier go on emergency leave, unpaid or paid leave, of course, and in some cases actually get part of the travel paid for. I personally was in Honduras uh, back in the early 90s when my father died in an auto accident back in Arizona. And I got that Red Cross message. The chaplain and the, um, the commander and the first sergeant came and told me. And they immediately put me on a helicopter, sent me to Sotocano Air Base. And the Red Cross, along with Army Community Services, basically paid for my flight to fly back home. Uh, and back uh, to so I could be with my family, and I, I thank you personally for that very much. Mm -hmm. The whole, you know, entire American Red Cross yeah. for doing that. Well, it's again, it's 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 uh, coordinated by a group of of uh, tremendously uh, compassionate staff and volunteers, and it's uh, you know that uh, as you were traveling home, I'm sure there was a Red Cross volunteer or staff member who kept your family. Um, uh, aware of where you were too, mm -hmm. because that's the other thing we do when we um, unfortunately have to um, get a service member to come home is uh, we try to stay with that family member via uh, phone uh, calls until they tell us that everything's fine. Correct. So, Absolutely. Yeah, we stay. In, that yeah, too. we stay in com constant communication with the Red Cross, and you guys don't don't let up. <laughs> I'll tell you, you're constantly <laughs> no, calling and don't. saying, "Where's the soldier at? Where's the family <laughs> members at? Where's?" And we're yeah. like, "Goodness, 
look, we don't, you know, yeah. I've had those nights, those long nights. So, you know, Kay, sure. I, I really want to, I like to get to know the person behind the greatness. We know the Red Cross. It's an unbelievable, beautiful organization uh, in many ways Thank and you. does so many amazing, amazing things around the world. But today we want to get to know you. So if you could, let's get a little bit personal. Let's find out more about Kay Wilkins. Okay. Well, um, let's see, I've told you a little bit about myself already. We have, uh, my husband and I have three children. Um, I have lived in New Orleans for um, almost 40 years now. Uh, I was um, the CEO of the Red Cross during Katrina. Um, my children grew up with a Red Cross mom. Um, my children uh, very early learned the value of volunteering. Um, and... Um, I um, just recently, I don't think Dave, I've even had a chance to tell Dave this, but I just recently um, took a different position with the Red Cross after being a head of Red Cross here in Louisiana since 99. I uh, now am a director of external relations for the Southeast and Caribbean um, division of the Red Cross. And so we'll be working with six states and Puerto Rico and the uh, Virgin Islands to help coordinate our response during um, non-disaster times, but also uh, strengthen a response during uh, disaster times. What does that mean during non-disaster times? What do you, what do, you do well, specifically um, during that time? Well, for instance, um, we, um, our chapters are, um, are the first persons called when there's a residential fire. So we've already talked about, um, let me, well, let me just back up just a second. We've already talked about uh, the work we do with service to the armed forces. And you're right, that's a 24 um, seven um, service that we provide. And so many of our volunteers and staff um, are the ones who are, were, um, are making that 2 a.m. call or making that uh, 6 p.m. call to find out if the service member has um, has left and if the service member has been able to come home to be at the side of their loved ones during uh, some uh, crisis or emergency. But we also, something other people may not know, is when there's a, a residential fire, the American Red Cross responds. Uh, in New Orleans, when the um, fire department dispatches a uh, a fire company to a residential fire. They also then in turn call a Red Cross number, and we have a team of volunteer responders who go to that fire, meet that family, and help that family figure out what their next steps are. In some cases, if the um, if the family has nowhere to stay, we might put them up in a hotel, but we definitely continue to uh, work with them in the next few days as they try to figure out what their um, recovery plan is. Um, and in uh, times where there might be a fatality, the um, Red Cross is there, too, to help the family um, as they walk through the different um, the different long hours and days that uh, a fatality, uh, a fire fatality can um, can have and the effect it can have on the families. Um, in some instances, we may help provide some financial assistance to, uh, for burial as well. Um, but that's and that's considered uh, a non-disaster time for us because it's it's happens every every day for us. Uh, every seven and a half hours in New Orleans, for instance, we're responding to a fire. But um, so, so that disaster response to single families is a uh, um, daily occurrence every seven minutes in the Red Cross as a national organization. Someone has a fire and the Red Cross is there. But we also are there for, uh, to help people uh, prevent and prepare for those disasters. Um, and one of the uh, things that I'm really, really uh, excited about is this uh, we have within the Red Cross a home fire campaign that we began about two years ago. We actually, as a national organization, drew a line in the sand and said enough is enough. Too many people are dying unnecessarily in fires because smoke alarms can help prevent a fatality in a fire, can alert a family, and family can get out of their home in, in the two minutes we know it takes before a fire can consume a home. So we began a campaign two years ago to install smoke alarms in homes free of charge. And we work hand-in-hand -hand with our fire departments in uh, cities all across uh, the United States to um, to install those smoke alarms. We work with other volunteer organizations and, and many of our um, partners, community partners help us. 
um, since we began um, two years ago, we've documented over 120 lives saved by smoke alarms that we helped install. So we're um, kind of putting our our, our um, action where our, our uh, experience has taken us. Yeah, and well, I want to say also congratulations for uh, getting that new role in that new position. That's that's super exciting. Thank you. So, mm-hmm. along with everything that you've done thus far, and you know, goodness, I can imagine the kick in the gut moments, and just rather in your own life, but certainly that you've seen in other people's lives, because that's the business that you're in, um, and that that can certainly be hard to recover from, even though it's not you all the time. But I would like to hear that personal kick in the gut moment that has kind of made you a little bit of who you are today. You know, it's kind of interwoven uh, in the with the Red Cross um, moment as well. Katrina truly changed not only the landscape in New Orleans, it changed the landscape and the lives of anyone who was here during that point in time. Um, not only New Orleans, but also the Gulf Coast and, and coast of Mississippi. Um, but for me, um, my uh, kick in the gut moment actually came two weeks before Katrina. Uh, my mother passed away from lung cancer two weeks before Katrina. Uh, my mom was relatively young, and um, her passing was a blow to many uh, people and, and certainly a blow to our family. And um, so I had tra- just traveled back um, from Alabama and um, where my, my mom and, and where my mom had lived and my, my father still was uh, the week before Katrina hit. So um, when Katrina hit, I found myself um, surrounded once again in, in chaos and, and, and noise. And, and I guess that's the best way to put it. Um, and then training kicked in and my faith kicked in. Um, I can remember bringing our team together, having conversations about the uh, preparations we had made prior to Katrina coming into the Gulf. Um, and the plans that we had for moving out of the city of New Orleans because it wasn't safe to stay here. Uh, we moved about 30 miles north of the city as a group. Uh, we wound up opening um, shelters in 10 in the areas surrounding New Orleans um, in 10 different parishes or counties. We call them parishes in Louisiana. Um, and we sheltered um, about 2,700 people in our small chapter area, which was southeast Louisiana at the time, uh, with a team of about 50 uh, volunteers and staff. Um, that 50 would dwindle to 39 uh, in the days after Katrina when our, um, the city was, uh, uh, was sitting under six feet of water and we were not able to return home. Our chapter building itself sustained major uh, damage with six feet of water um, and mold and mildew up to the second floor, beyond the second floor of our building. So um, after finding a place for our staff to stay, um, I guess my my kick in the gut moment was the uh, realization that um, I had to be present for my staff. My family was taken care of, my husband and my son, who was at home at the time, had uh, relocated prior to Katrina coming on shore. Um, and while my home was relatively um, spared, um, 80% of our staff lost their home and homes, and three of our staff members lost their mothers. So I was faced once again with uh, the stark reality of, of um, a world turned upside down when you least expected it. So that was my kick in the gut moment. And this is where my faith stepped in. I mean, I, I, I remember every morning before I would, um, when I would finally get to sleep, I usually would get about a couple of hours sleep on a cot in a medical, in a, in a clinic, in a, a room that became a medical clinic by day, but was a place where I slept at night. Um, it was a shelter. And I can remember, um, in those, those the first waking moments, having a conversation with God and saying, and, and my prayer every day was, Lord, give me the words you know I need to speak today. And then 
my next comment was and request was, and then please shut me up when I need to be shut up. <laughs> and so there were times when he would do both, sometimes in the same meeting. So, um, but he he also showed me what grace and mercy and the strength of people under incredible, incredible odds, um, how that strength can be um, used and, and funneled into a positive way. Yeah, that is truly, truly amazing how people can do that and have done that so many times as we've seen. And I need that prayer. <laughs> <laughs> the use mm. to say the right thing and to know when to shut up. I certainly need yeah. that one for sure. Well, yeah. I'll tell you, it, you know, as you're talking about that, you know, I'm out here on the island of Oahu in Hawaii. And while mm. it is a beautiful place to live, every time we have a the hurricane season's coming around and a tsunami warning, there's an earthquake in Japan uh, or somewhere, one of the other islands and we have a tsunami warning you know i work in a medical center i work in the operations of a medical center and i work with some amazing people as well and two unsung heroes that we have out here uh, are our emergency managers and mm. you were, I, I thought of them when you were talking oh, yeah. about the training because they're constantly putting us through some sort of training we have the rimpac the, the pacific rim one of the biggest um, military oper- peacetime military operations in the world is done out here and they do so much preparation for that for hurricanes and uh, the two guys I wanted to mention was Tom Bookman who's at Region Medical Command and uh, Joe Chestnut that's, that I work with directly and these guys just are amazing with their planning and, the, and all of the things that you, you just don't think about uh, in times everything from having a generator at the house to you know, of course, all the food and everything, but then strategically, I'll, statewide, and this state is made up of seven islands, so, and, mm-hmm. you know, three of them are very largely populated, but they coordinate with all the hospitals, and they coordinate how much blood is available, how many beds are available, uh, what the transportation looks like, what will the transportation look like, because we've only got three roads on this island, you know, H1, H2, and H3. And if H1's down, the whole island shuts down. So we're kind of sitting ducks out here. But they do amazing at, mm-hmm. at making us feel as safe as we possibly can. And, you know, it's that training um, that really creates that muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Because when the world, as you know, it is turned upside down. And I'm speaking to the choir here because you know this, having seen it in a way that I will never see uh, from your years in the service. But when your world is turned upside down, if you've been properly trained, that training kicks in. And while you may think you go on autopilot, you actually are going into a, a survival mode that, that will will help you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I saw during Katrina with our team. And, and um, I've seen it time and time again since that in the other disasters that I've uh, uh, helped Red Cross respond to. Agreed. Absolutely. That training is extremely important. So I want to shift gears a little bit and we got a little bit into a sad moment there and and uh, so much to learn from that for sure, without a doubt. And we always want to recognize that those moments do exist. I was just having this thought this morning on the way in and uh, about, you know, specifically it's a little bit different but about the word failure and I just don't like that word because I, I believe everything is a learning experience and an experience for ourselves to grow as people, individuals, communities, and as a state, you know, and as an organization. But now I'd like to shift into um, a good news story, something that just really Mm -hmm. stuck with you, and I'm sure there's many, just probably just as many of those disastrous uh, stories as you have good news stories. I'd like to hear one of those. Certainly, you know, um, and it actually, you know, about a year after Katrina, um, we, I was uh, helping present, helping our emergency manager uh, present a um, hurricane um, preparedness um, uh, conver- uh, at a c- conference. And uh, from there, we went to a local neighborhood and uh, neighborhood meeting and actually started talking about the plans for hurricane season. Now, this was in 2006, a year after Katrina, and the levees still were not built to where they needed to be. 
many of our buildings had crumbled and the credibility of those that were standing were in question. So it was important in 2006, more than it had ever been, that people had a plan for hurricane season. Just as you have that plan for a typhoon, we needed people to have a plan for the 2006 hurricane season. And I can remember being at that um, meeting and watching the faces of the people, the adults in the room, just turn um, inward. I, and, and you could tell it's almost like a zombie was looking at you when we started talking about the next hurricane. Because it had taken everything these, these uh, families had and these adults and had to, um, to just keep putting one foot in front of the other and try and, and pick up the pieces and rebuild. Uh, at the same time, I looked around, and that um, that attitude was, um, I could see it reflected in the eyes of their children. So I went back to this, again, had an amazing group of people that had come together after, after Katrina because we were, and I still am, eternally grateful to everyone who came in to help after Katrina and offered us their skills. And um, I had uh, some really, really great uh, child um, art therapists who were working with us. And I said to them, you know, I can throw up, a, um, I can bring a, a backpack filled with things that you should put together for a supply kit. But it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's falling on, on um, just ears that are not in tune to listen. And um, I just don't know what to do. And so we did a lot of brainstorming, and, and it, it, the conversation kept coming back to the children. And so um, I remembered a story from um, my um, a couple of about three months after Katrina, when I'd run into a former employee who had left in June before Katrina came in August and had moved to Houston, and uh, who was uh, tapped by the Red Cross to receive some of the first buses who came to the um, arena at the Astrodome after, um, after Katrina. And um, I was talking to her, and uh, she was, she was uh, telling me her, her story. And um, I, I realized then that, you know, the, the people um, who had left and the children who had left had gone through some real traumatic times. And so... Um, I married that with an experience I had at Christmas time where I listened to the admissions director for my local, um, a local university that we had worked with to help with evacuations uh, talk about the fact that her college kids had put their belongings into pillowcases. And um, I, as we were sitting in the room, I was relating both stories to our, um, our team of, of uh, community recovery specialist, we called it. And we came up with an idea and um, of creating a pillowcase that would have on it everything someone should put into a disaster supply kit to be ready for hurricanes. And uh, it could become the receptacle of the flashlight, of the food, of the, of the uh, cards that you want to play, uh, games that you want to put in there, uh, mementos, important papers. But on the outside, we would take a um, in the the icon of a of a hurricane, and along that hurricane icon, we would print the words of things you could pack into this supply kit. And so um, I shopped it out to a couple of donors, uh, two of whom were willing to uh, uh, give us some dollars so that we could have some uh, some pillowcases silk screened, and that began what we called. Uh, the pillowcase project. And what we realized is, while I couldn't get into the minds of adults who had closed down because they just could not take hearing anything about a hurricane and uh, that might hit New Orleans again or being prepared for uh, one that might come in, in, uh, in the, um, the 2006 hurricane season, the kids were sponges and they wanted to talk. They wanted to talk about their storm tell you their storm stories. But then um, 
They wanted to color. Kids love to color. So we were able to get the kids to actually use the pillowcase with some uh, fabric markers and draw what their uh, what they would pack in the pillowcase. And then I was able to put information in the pillowcase for their parents and at least felt that while the parents may not look at it immediately, should the need happen, the parents would reach out and they would, um, they'd have that that information at hand. So, but here's where the here's where the I've I um, the the part the fun part comes in. That was 2006. It took me five years to get someone to um, take the pillowcase project and move it beyond New Orleans, and we were able to do that with Disney. But I was like a um, the watch salesman, you know, that will that has the coat on, and he opens a coat and he says, "Hey, you want to look at my watches?" Well, anywhere I went, I always had a pillowcase sticking out of my bag. A backpack is usually was my uh, purse of choice during those those days. So there was always a pillowcase in my backpack, and I've given pillowcase to congressmen. I've given the pillowcase to um, dignitaries. I've given the pillowcase to visiting country, uh, other country, um, uh, Red Cross and Red Crescent countrymen and peers. I've given the pillowcase to lots of people and told the story and asked them to um, help fund the pillowcase project. And Disney picked it up. And today, if you go into um any state in our country, you will, um, and ask about a pillowcase project, you will hear about the pillowcases um, and presentations that are occurring to third, fourth, and fifth graders all up and down the um, United States um, because someone had, a, um, had the, um, the vision to take it further than just New Orleans. That's a really cool story, and it's cool for another reason, too, because as Dave and I were talking the other day, and we were talking about the Red Cross. He said, do you know that the Red Cross is the second largest known brand in the world right behind Mickey Mouse? Yeah. <laughs> so the two so. largest known brands in the world are partnered together on this pillowcase. It's just amazing. Amazing story. Well, it's, and it's so much fun. Um, one of the things that we do um, in, the, in the class is we teach kids how to cope. And um, I mean, you think about it, think about how, you know, what's your coping strategy and, and uh, you know, you've been able to hone it through the years and it's matured as you've matured. But a third grader, an eight year old, doesn't really have a lot of experience coping with highly emotional, traumatic, uh, tension filled moments. And so um, while they're coloring, we talk to them about ways they can cope through finding a favorite color and thinking about their favorite color when when they feel afraid or or tell a story or find something that gives them strength a symbol of strength and and use that so we're able to get a little bit of lesson in with a lot of fun and uh, that's what i love about that yeah and they're truly sponges they really are i mean i'm always amazed at i've got three boys a 22 year old 17 and seven and mm. we'll be driving in the car, for instance, or sitting around the living room, and my wife and I will be talking. But a specific instance I just thought about a couple of days ago was we're driving in the car. My wife and I are in the front talking, of course. And my son is in the back. I think he was on his iPad or something. And you think they're not paying attention. But then out of the blue, he says, Dad, what does that word mean? Because he's always curious. He, always, he, he loves to know what a new word that he hears. He likes to know what it means. And then it challenges me because then i got to try to figure out how to explain the word. But then he, <laughs> he soaks it up. He goes, oh, okay. And then he'll use that word later in, you know, down the road I'll hear him use that word in, you know, almost the correct term, almost the correct manner. But <laughs> it's just so neat to watch them grow and, and their brains grow. And it's so cool that you guys thought about that the children at that age are just sponges. And, and then, of course, they do influence their, their parents in that way, too. Well, and, and I think, you know, as, as you know, um, you, you are, um, you're being watched all the time as a parent, and um, your children are going to model what they see. So um, I, it's also um, just the opposite, too. Sometimes um, some parents, and, and I know as a parent when I'm, always want, wanted to check out the books when they came in, check out the papers from school, find out what was going on. So in, um, in different ways, we were able to, to educate people, but also teach our children who just, once they learn something, as you know, will not let you 
um, travel very far from that lesson learned. So whether it's um, putting together a disaster supply kit or whether it's having a fire drill at home so that the whole family can be safe, um, our kids sometimes can be the greatest teachers. Agreed. Absolutely agree. Well, I can go on and have this conversation forever, Kay, but I want to respect your time as well as that of men of abundance. So we're at the point where we're going to pay it forward. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. Excellent. I'm ready. Okay, cool. Hey, man, I'm pretty sure that you've heard that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Well, if you haven't, you have now. And it's absolutely true. Something else you may or may not have heard is your environment will change you before you change it. So what does this mean to you right now? Well, you're either here listening to this podcast because either you are looking for change in your life or you're looking for a way to create an environment to change somebody else's life. And while one person, one man, can have an influence on others, a group of like-minded men headed in the same direction can certainly influence others on a much larger scale. And that's exactly why I've created and building this Men of Abundance community for men like you who are looking to change your environment and upgrade your five. Now, let me clarify that. I'm not saying that the men in our community are any better than the men you're currently hanging around with. They just have a different mindset. And if the people that you're hanging around with right now are not moving in the direction that you want to go with your life, then it is important for you to get around people who are. Get around men who are moving in the direction that you want to go. And all of you, every last one of you that are listening to this right now, have something to offer to another man. And you may or may not know how to share your knowledge and your experiences with other men. That's just another thing that you're going to get out of this Men of Abundance community is you're going to learn how to share your knowledge and your experience in your community and even within our community. So when you're ready to join our Men of Abundance community, just go to menofabundance.com. Go to the Members Only tab, and everything you need to get started is right there. All right, let's get back to the show. So give Men of Abundance one to three actionable steps that they can take today. Well, you know, um, I thought about that. So the first step I would say is be present. Um, Put down that cell phone. Put Put away thoughts of what you have to do tomorrow. But be present. Be present with your um, the people you work with. Be present in conversations with your uh, um, your spouse or um, those you love. And be present with your kids. And that's my my first step. The second is listen. So often we're we're waiting to talk to people and not listening to what they're saying as much as waiting for them to pause so that we can insert our, our, our own thoughts. And um, so I've learned through the years that if I'm present and I listen, then um, the, um, the third step is um, present, listen, and, and then just pay it forward by um, being kind. Um, one of the things that... Um, I knew after um, our chapter had gone through what we did with Katrina is that many people would sit back and would later tell us the, uh, the things that we did right, um, but there were also going to be many that would um, offer up to us things that uh, we did not do right and could have done better. And so one of the first conversations I had with our team when I was able to see them after Katrina was to um, encourage them and urge them to be kind to people who didn't have the gift of their experience um, because to me that's what um, kindness will go a long way I, I've seen kindness um, melt the heart of, of someone who is just angry because they've lost everything and they have nowhere else to turn and there's um, uh, the other uh, places they have turned have been um, dead ends for them I've seen kindness turn their anger into um, maybe not um, happiness, but at least a a sense of gratefulness. Um, I've also seen kindness when people are, um, are in a, um, in a place of despair where the kindness sometimes is just giving them room to, to grieve and then being a silent uh, presence and uh, being there when they get up from their knees and are ready to stand again. And then I've seen kindness with our kids. Um, it's, um, I've watched them share, I've watched uh, 
Um, I've watched how one act of kindness can uh, multiply into ten acts of kindness. Um, and also, the hardest thing to do is to be kind when you don't want to be. And so that would be my 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 third my three point one uh, action step is even if you don't want to be, be kind. Yeah, I can find it that's very difficult uh, in many situations, but very very great advice and great actionable steps for sure and and all very simple to do uh at the same time very hard not to do uh in some cases so especially putting that cell phone down uh many people need to practice that much much more often in fact my wife and I she doesn't know it but her birthday is coming up in a couple of weeks and that week's full with my son doing some stuff with the uh church so I'm going to surprise her this weekend and uh, she's going to have a spa day, and then we're going to have some time, and we're putting the cell phones away other than just making sure that we can communicate with our kids um, because we just need to do that once in a while. Great advice. It's the greatest gift. It's it is greatest indeed. gift. It's time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, unconditional time and uninterrupted time. Mm-hmm. So what absolutely. daily habits make up the biggest impact in your life, Kay? You know, I, um, I exercise, and uh, I get up every morning at 5 a.m., and I exercise with uh, a group of men and women uh, that I've been exercising with for years, and uh, we're responsible and accountable to each other to be there, and that exercise helps set me um, on my day, um, and um, I've recently um, started meditating with a friend of mine. Um, we're um, taking doing the same program. Um, and while she um, doesn't live in the same state I do, uh, it's a way for us to stay connected. And, um, of course, you know, there's that prayer all the time. And, that, and by the way, Wally, I still ask God to give me the words I need to, to, um, to speak. But more importantly, please shut me up when I don't need to talk. <laughs> and I can see where that comes in very, very handy, especially in your line of work. Because uh, people can be so critical about every little thing that's said, especially out of context. Especially when um, people are only listening to snippets of what somebody is saying. And when you're in a situation like you're in and you say something and just a portion of it is taken out of context, it's just a terrible situation to be in. Mm-hmm. So, it can be. Yeah. So what book uh, would you recommend to our Abundant Leaders and why? You know, I uh, just finished uh, The Oz Principle um, a year ago, and uh, I really like The Oz Principle. You know, we all are very familiar with The Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. um, but uh, the, um, the, the main doctrine and, and um, instruction that I received from The Oz Principle was the fact that it's not the end of the journey that um, uh, will affect the outcome of, of of what we're trying to do. It's the journey itself, and it's the um, interdependencies of the people with, who are with us on that journey and the accountability we have to each other. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to take a look at the Oz Principle, um, do that. And then, of course, you know, always, I'd have to pitch Dave's, Dave's book, Moments Matter, because uh, he really is able to kind of give us an, an idea of, of how to find that hero in each of us. Yes, absolutely. I have looked into Dave's book as well, and I'll have both of those books. They will both be listed in the show notes at menofabundance.com. Just search K in the search menu, in the search bar, and the episode will pop right up. I also want to mention about my show notes is I have these really cool timestamps that you can click on to go directly to the point of interest within the show that you want to listen to. It's really cool technology. And before we move on, I also want to, and I asked the last question that I have to ask for VK, I want to let make sure Men of Abundance remind you that uh, we are partnered with Audible. And what that means to you is you can go get a free 30-day trial with Audible, which includes a free book. And that you get for free. In the free book, you can choose... Um, one of the books just mentioned if they're both on Audible or choose whatever book and I have some recommendations in there on the show notes as well but what that does for Men of Abundance is that allows us and helps us keep the mic on because for everybody that gets started with the 30 day trial we get a kickback off of that and I use that to keep the mic on because keeping this podcast going 
is not free. So I just wanted to let you guys know that, that you can get that and you can help us out at the same time. So, okay, I have one last question for you, and it's a question I really love to ask so many people on the podcast and otherwise. And that is, what does living a life of abundance mean to you? Living a life of abundance to me means having the ability to truly know um, what makes the people we love tick. And uh, it means being present. It means finding ways to delight and surprise uh, those we love every day. It means capturing every day, seizing the, the moment and enjoying life for for what it is and not um, not um, hoping for uh, things in the future it's truly being present in the moment wonderful beautiful so we're going to close this up Kay I truly appreciate your time and jumping on as quickly as you did it's really impressive uh, that you were able to do that impressive to me anyway because I know uh, how important your time is and how you um, definitely are keeping track of where you're spending your time so you're putting it in the right place and I'm very honored that you would spend that time with us here so before you uh, we let you go please leave oh my pleasure absolutely so before we let you go please leave us with a parting piece of guidance in any way that we can find out more about what you're doing or specifically uh, what's going on and new and exciting in the Red Cross you know um, my um Parting piece of guidance is, you know, if you've ever thought you wanted to um, help change someone's world for the better, then volunteer. Um, You can volunteer with the Red Cross, and I can guarantee you it will change your life. But there are many organizations you can volunteer with, with whom you can volunteer, and who need volunteers. Um, So reach out to your local uh, um, organization, and if it's the Red Cross, go online and. Type in Red Cross in your area, and uh, you'll find an icon that says you want to volunteer. I can guarantee you it'll change your life. And the way to reach me is through that Red Cross, um, k.wilkins at redcross.org. Wonderful. Kay, again, I appreciate your time. And Dave, if you're listening, thank you for making the connection. Truly appreciate that. This was a wonderful conversation. I had a lot of fun. And um, I'm honored to have uh, had this conversation with you, Kay. Well, Wally, thank you for what you do. And I've, uh, I, um, I appreciate the fact, too, that there are women listeners to uh, Men of Abundance. And I uh, just know that you've added one um, here in New Orleans as well. So thank you again for what you do. Awesome. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. All right, men, that's all I got for you today. Thanks for sticking around to the very end. And ladies, I know you're still listening too. I want to thank you personally for sticking around and listening to the end of the show. But more importantly, just sticking around to put up with all of us knuckleheads. Some of us certainly are slow learners and the rest of us may never learn at all. But either way, be patient with us and just know we truly do mean well. We definitely want to be there for you and support you in everything that you do. If you like what you're hearing here, I would love for you to go to iTunes, leave a rating and review, and tell us what you think about the show. And man, make sure you go check out our community at menofabundance.com. Just click on the Members Only tab, and I'll give you access. Now go out and live your life of abundance, and make sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.